BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Good morning, Freckled Foodie family. Today, we are joined by Sydney Bell, who is a curve model and influencer focused on promoting body positivity and self-love across her platforms. I found Sydney on TikTok and immediately was captivated by her because she is just so incredibly joyful and I think has this aura of I'm doing what I love and I love doing it while she is on her platform. And I so admire that. Um, we dive in a lot to her journey and, you know, finding the self-confidence and love in her skin and for herself and what that looked like. We talk a lot about the influencing game and how we both sometimes struggle with the term influencer and what's happening in the media and, you know, where we fit as a piece in this whole puzzle and, It's just, for me, I think a great conversation for anyone who is, you know, focused on trying to love themselves more because I think we all should and we all bring way, way more to the table than our looks and our physical attributes and Sydney is here to remind us of that. Um, As always, rate, review, subscribe, let me know what you think, follow Sydney on her platform, she's amazing and without further ado, here she is. Sydney, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to have you on the show as a huge fan of your content and a follower of you for a long time on TikTok. I am pumped to have this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I do kick things off by asking, how would you define success? Um, I personally think, you know, I've been through a lot of different things where I thought I was successful at them, but I think mainly success is finding something that you truly love or finding a concept, a job, um, a hobby, something that you truly love and that you're truly passionate about. And knowing that you're putting every, everything, all of you into it and that whatever it is making you happy. I think that's what success is for me. Absolutely. And as someone who watches your TikToks and Instagram and all that, you have this like glow aura to you. Like, no, I'm so serious. Your smile when you are creating this content or when you're on set and you're being filmed and it it really seems, and I don't know if this is like correct assumption, but it just seems like you are thriving in a sense when you're doing that type of work. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. Yes. I think the most rewarding part of what I do is kind of like taking my struggles and my story. So many other people resonate with that and knowing that I'm helping Mm -hmm. people like that success to me is like knowing that, you know, I'm helping so many people and those smiles are all just coming from my heart. Like again, knowing that like, I'm really speaking to someone who could be dealing with something that I dealt with when I was younger or even like older women now come to me and they're like, you know what? I'm struggling so much. Like you're helping me at like 45 years old. So all those smiles are genuine because, you know, like I said, it's, it's so rewarding to know that you're helping somebody else go through something that you struggled with for so long. I totally agree. I think for me, you know, people were always asked, like, what's your favorite part of your job? And I honestly feel that my favorite part has been having some form of positive impact on the people who are part of my community. And that's honestly why I've shifted a lot from 
food focus to more lifestyle because sure, recipes are great for people and they like to cook them. And like when someone sends me a note that they made my recipe, it makes me happy, but it doesn't even compare to someone that sends me a message that's like, I started seeing a therapist because of you. I feel less alone in my anxiety. Like, you know, it just, you're having a true impact on someone's life. And that to me, not only for me really to find success, but also like so heavily helps me outweigh when like the trolls come out. Cause I'm like, okay, yes. focus exactly. on all the positives. Yes. I totally agree with you. Like I know too, like with just influencers in general or people that have a, a larger following on social media, like for so long, it was not that it was not about like, you know, somebody putting themselves out there to help people or have an impact on people. And I feel like even now, like we get such a bad rep because that's not what we're doing at all. Like people automatically go on our pages or our TikTok feeds and see the numbers and don't realize that like the influencer game is changing. And I feel like you and I have such a like huge role in that, which I love. So that's just even better that we're like changing the whole influencer Instagram TikTok game to actually put out content that's real and that helps people and that's inspiring. So I'm all for it. Thank you so much for A, including me in that bucket along with yourself. (laughs) Absolutely. When I first saw your socials, I was like, oh my gosh, I love her so much. It's just, (laughs) it's just so rare to see real content nowadays or like, you know, not just like putting on an outfit and like trying to look pretty, but actually having a meaning and purpose behind our posts. So yeah, girl, you're included. (laughs) (laughs) You're so sweet. So this is honestly a topic I talk about a lot because I have a really, really hard time with the term and not like a hard time, but I do just feel disassociated from the term influencer because I think in the past it was very much like if you think about who really started influencing, it was kind of like the Kardashians, if we're being oh, yeah, honest. Like they, and so much of the appeal to the Kardashians, if you want to take them as an example, is that it's unattainable. It's mm-hmm. just like you're watching from the outside. Like, oh my God, that's so – like look at their homes. Look at their cookie mm-hmm. jars. They're perfect. Like I'll never have that. Yeah. And I do feel like that's what influencing has been in the past where it's a lot of like – look at me, look at me, follow along, but you can't achieve this. And I feel like I accidentally fell into this industry and I feel so less than when I consume type of content like that. And so my whole mission when I started growing was like, I'm never going to change who I am just because I have a platform. I'm I'm not going to like feel like I have to put on a full face of, I mean, I don't even enjoy putting on makeup. So why would I put on makeup and like do this big hair and like, you know, get dressed when that's not what I'm doing every day anyway? Right. I totally get what you're saying with that. I, um, I actually like fell like in the beginning of my influencer journey, quote unquote influencer journey, um, I noticed that I fell into that bracket of like, oh, you know, I'm living this lavish lifestyle. And like, because that's all that I was exposed to when I first started influencing, I got an email, the first brand I started working with was Fashion Nova Curve. And so when you look on their Instagram, you see like, they have a specific girl, they have a specific lifestyle they're trying to promote. So it's mm-hmm. like automatically, like right off the back, when I started influencing, it was kind of like that. And then I feel like over time, I saw how toxic that was. And I started feeling super awful because I realized like, this is something that I'm not able to like obtain. You know what I mean? Like constantly trying to have this persona of, you know, a lifestyle that I wasn't necessarily living. So it made me feel guilty because I started gaining followers and um, different people started like realizing and knowing who I was. And I was like, I'm not going to keep this facade up. So I kind of like fell into that in the beginning and then kind of realized like who I was and the message that I wanted to send out or give to people. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. (laughs) I'm going to be myself. And it's just, I've, I feel like in that, you know, me switching over to that way of 
running my social media. Like I feel so much more genuine, so much more real. I've made more real connections um, with like brands and also people. So yeah, I I think a lot of people will kind of go into it with the mindset of like, oh, I'm just going to be real. But also some people fall into it, like realizing how toxic it can be at times and then realizing that they can't, like you said, they can't obtain it. Totally. And I think, unfortunately, when you're in it from a creator standpoint, it feels there's pressure to be that type of influencer because that's what you're seeing everywhere. And that's Absolutely. what you're seeing succeed. And like, you know, you're looking at other people's feeds and you're like, shit, well, they always have these really nice photographs taken of them and they always look put together. And like, Absolutely. I constantly am like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing as an influencer? <laughs> it's <laughs> exhausting. It's so exhausting. Yeah. But also what you were saying you know, falling into it and feeling guilty. It's really interesting because for me, I have a weird relationship with TikTok because mm. I had my Instagram platform and last March I had like been doing it for a, over a year full time and mm-hmm. I had like a decent following. But when TikTok came out, I started posting these videos of my mom just being ridiculous. And mm-hmm. that's what like blew up my TikTok. And for me, I had a weird relationship with it at the end because I'm like, I thought this was funny. I never thought it was going to get in front of this many people. Like one of my videos had over like a million views. And to me, it was very much like, I mean, I come from a privileged background, but Mm -hmm. the videos really did just scream like, holy fuck privilege. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) but this isn't my type of content. Like this isn't what I want to be known for. This isn't like, these aren't the videos I want to go viral, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. I've had this weird thing with TikTok where like now I almost feel like I don't know what to even post on there because when I post my Instagram content, like some of it does well, but I don't know. I felt like you were saying this weird guilt where I'm like, wait, this isn't what I want to be putting out there. Yeah. Like this was a joke and yes. it went a little too far. No. Yeah. I, um, I've definitely fallen into that as well. Um, it, it can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. <laughs> I know, like, I don't even use TikTok anymore because kind of like how, like, your story was, like, you posted a bunch of uh, the same type of content and then it did really well. And then now your followers are like, wait, this isn't what I followed you for. <laughs> so I get that. There's a lot of pressure with that. And I deal with that all the time. And um, it's just kind of, um, I guess, like, kind of like what I was saying earlier, like find something that you're passionate about and that you really feel like you're successful at. And then the followers will start coming or like the people that enjoy that will stop coming and the ones that, you know, don't prefer that content will leave. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with me. Like for a while I was posting like what everybody else wanted to see. And it was just having such a toll on me and a toll on like, you know, I don't enjoy waking up and just shooting outfits in front of a blank wall all day. And so I finally was like, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I did that. And although I lost a lot of followers, I gained a lot of followers. And it feels so good to know that the followers and the people that are watching now are people that really, you know, rock with the real Sydney. You know what I mean? Totally. I've even had that I mean, I've lost a lot of followers and gained people and then I've, you know, whether it's whether whether it's me changing my content or talking about topics that make people uncomfortable and they're just like not there to have yeah. discussions, especially when it comes to like the political climate in our country. And for me, I'm like, I'd much rather have these people who support me yeah. and want to have these hard conversations than like a random follower who thought a TikTok was funny. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I could totally so, agree. Yeah. And yes, I mean, it, the the type of follower really does make a difference. And you mentioned in the very beginning when we were chatting that you have dealt with your own struggles and you feel like sharing those has helped you resonate with people, but also help them get through their struggles. Can you talk through a little bit of like what that entails and what your life has gone through to kind of get to where you are today and what you share about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have always been somebody that has struggled or not really struggled. I've just always been a bigger girl um, since I was a little girl. And so 
you know, thank God, and I talk about this a lot on my social media, thank God I was raised by the people I was raised by because it wasn't until really junior high and high school where I started viewing myself differently in a negative aspect. I was raised by two amazing parents that would always lift me up and, you know, when I felt insecure about my body or insecure about my weight, they would always lift me up and uplift me and tell me I was beautiful. And so I never really had any struggles or looked at myself differently until I started cheerleading, which was in junior high and high school. And so, um, you know, of course, people's opinions start meaning things to you. And um, especially with me being a cheerleader and being the only African-American plus size cheerleader. Um, I dealt with a lot of adversity at the time where, you know, people would call me fat or um, people would make comments about my skin because um, I kind of grew up in an all white area. Um, so it was just a lot of different things that came into play during that time when it came to self-image and self-love. And there was even a basketball game when I was in high school, one of our largest basketball games, and I was cheering. I was super good. I was that, I, I don't know if I can curse on here, but I was that. Oh, of course you can. <laughs> you can I was course. that bitch, yes. And so, um, you know, I was doing my thing, and then at a game, someone on the other team, like, yelled at me and was like, hey, yo, Precious, at, like, from the movie, the character mm -hmm. from the movie. And that just broke me down. But again, like, I try to tell people all the time, like, you have to constantly teach yourself self-love from the day that you can even function as a human. Because when that happened, it hurt. But with being raised by my mom and dad and like them constantly like telling me, you're beautiful, you are a bell, like you're stunning, don't worry about your weight. And then constantly like practicing that on my own, it hurt. But at the end of the day, I was like, I know who I am. And so, you know, constantly going through that episode of my life, that was just one of the different things that happened that kind of made me view myself differently but it's just that and media and growing up and not having you know a positive plus size figure that I could look up to I just realized actually this morning like we in my generation like I'm 23 now and growing up we didn't really have like an Ashley Graham or a Tabria Majors to be like wow these women are in media and they're so powerful and they look just like me so that's kind of my story of growing up in the different adversities that I faced. Um, but again, those things never really stopped me because with, again, growing up and being raised the way I was and knowing who I was and my worth, like I felt like I was unstoppable. I was involved in everything. I was a UCA All-American cheerleader, a varsity cheerleader, president of every club, like those things. And that's why I think it's so important to really push it out there and let people know like yeah society may think that you're big or fat or you're not worthy enough but if you really know who you are you can make anything happen so absolutely yeah I have so many comments so first of all I cannot believe you're 23 because you are wise beyond your years <laughs> but <laughs> I you. just have to say that um but also Everything you just said towards the end of that, I say this a lot, like your weight is the least interesting thing about you. Exactly. And you proved that right there of like, just like you have, you, there's so much to offer that is, doesn't, your weight does not matter one bit and finding things in your life that are not focused on your image that provide you this sense of confidence and yeah. like yeah, I can still do whatever the fuck I want to do exactly. and running with that. And kudos to your parents. And I totally agree. I'm older than you, but like kind of, are you technically Gen Z or are you a millennial? I think I'm a millennial. I think. Okay. I don't know. I think you're like right on the cusp. Yeah. So I'm a millennial, but I think our generation, if we can say, yeah, I guess we're similar generation, um, growing up, like someone posted this video recently that I watched and it was like, let's look back at what they used to depict as quote unquote big girls in media. Oh, and it was yeah. like 
if you look at like Bridget Jones' diary, like she is so still small, but like she was depicted as like a fat person in that movie. I know. I know. The history of like weight and BMI and like quote unquote curvy women is so rigged. Like it is so rigged. And I've been really interested lately in, you know, I grew up in a very, not diet culture focused, but, you know, my Mm -hmm. grandmother was very image focused. My mom struggled with an eating disorder. Like there was definitely deep rooted fat phobia as a kid for me to observe. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, media is showing me, like, if you think about what magazines used to be like, like the In Touches, the Us Weeklies, the People, it was like, every single diet possible, every single like bikini photo of any famous person. And then they would literally shame these people if they weren't stick thin in a bathing suit on the beach. Like it was just wild. And so it's been really interesting for me during my pregnancy to try, because it's really the ultimate in my opinion, like body image kind of test of like, how are you going to handle this? Right. And I'm getting all these comments that aren't mean-spirited by people I know or on social media. But it's so interesting for me to acknowledge the underlying fat phobia of the comments because it's like, oh "Oh my God, I can't wait to be pregnant. I can finally eat whatever I want. Or how does it feel to not have to worry about your belly? Or like, oh, it must be so nice to just like let go during pregnancy. I'm like, why is everyone so afraid of doing all of these things when they're not pregnant? <laughs> right. Right. It's, it almost seems like being pregnant is an excuse to kind of let yourself go. They're saying right. no. Like they're saying that or also just like which is twisted in, in to begin with, but also just like it's almost the one time it's acceptable in their eyes or in society standards to be fat. Right. Yeah. Which is not how we should be thinking about things. Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, so how have you felt on social media? Because you promote a lot of, you know, body love and how you felt growing up versus how like the confidence you have now and your experience, how has that been received by the community? And like, how has that shaped your journey? Because I know, like I shared something on my stories of one of your pieces of content, of you in a bathing suit, like giving the finger and it was all of these like troll hate comments because the internet can be nasty. Oh yeah. I think honestly it's, it sounds so cliche, but it's made me so strong. Like I am the most emotional person in the world. Like I can just, I can cry like (laughs) super quick for absolutely no reason. Um, But I think it's made me stronger, and I think those hate comments, just like that day when that guy called me precious on the basketball court, like, that day, it hurts. Same thing with the comments, but it really just motivates me to kick things into gear. Because if people are coming and, like, saying those things, they're still a huge issue in the world. Like, if people are coming, yeah, if people are coming and, like, commenting, like, oh my gosh, you're promoting obesity. Nobody wants to see this. Okay, well, there's still a huge gap (laughs) of people that don't understand that, you know, being plus size or being a certain weight does not represent who you are. So that really just makes me like gain so much strength to continue to put that content out there. Because I've also had times where you know, people will DM me and they'll be like, why are, why are you so confident? Why are you putting all this stuff out there? And I can just kind of sit them down and give them a lesson. <laughs> and then they'll understand. Totally. Yeah, they'll understand. So it really gives me the strength to keep going. And it also, like I've gotten, I feel like on those posts where I'm really vulnerable and like putting myself out there, I feel like I get so much love. Because again, like I was saying earlier, so many women are feeling this way and feel like that just because of what they look like, they're not worthy or, you know, because of what they see every single day in the media, they're not worthy. And it's just so nice. And that also keeps me going to just, you know, again, put it out there and let people know that they're not alone and that this is not something that's like awful, I guess. Um, But it's just, it's like, it's just, again, rewarding. It's really awesome to like put that stuff out there and teach people something and 
um, also make people feel really good. Absolutely. And you do all of those things. And I think it's a certain type of person that feels the need to go to someone's page and write those things. I will right. never understand. Yeah. Lizzo. Yeah. yeah. Like Lizzo just posted a funny video of her like remaking the Corvette Corvette song. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> she's like, I'm fat. I'm fat. You came to my page just to tell me that like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. And I also like, I get a lot of messages from girls and women and they're like, how do you, how do you deal with the hate? Like, how do you cope with all that? And I just literally say, like, if somebody's coming and commenting that on your page, like, if you look in the mirror and you look at yourself, and you know that you're somebody that, you know, would never open your mouth to, like, insult somebody or make somebody feel less than what they are. So if somebody's coming on your page and saying that, they're clearly going through something, feeling something within themselves, having a bad day, and you're just the lucky one. You're just the person that they felt the need to come to. So for me, I'll take the bullet any day. If somebody feels insecure within themselves or is having a bad day or going through something, come to me. I'll take it in and I'll give you a comment right back to make you feel better. Like usually when people come and they're like, you're fat, you're ugly. I'm like, you know what? It seems like you're going through something. It seems like you're having a day, having a bad day. I'll continue to pray for you. And I hope that you get better, you know, cause it's like, who does that? Somebody clearly is like going through something to feel the need to bring you down. It makes no sense. So. Oh, totally. Someone recently sent me a mean message about my pregnant belly and I was just like, who hurt you? Like, yeah. like what, what's going on here? Exactly. And, you know, I've always said if there are messages I'm receiving that are like, Hey, you missed the mark on this. Like, I think you were trying to do something and it just didn't sit well. And like, that's outweighing the positive, then that's something to take into account. But when it's majority hands down positive reinforcement, and then there are a few people just like coming at you with shade, you just got to ignore them. And also like, it's so much more on them than it is. than it has to do with anything you're doing exactly what you said. Right. And I think, for some reason, body talk and body image and anything body related really triggers people. I think mm-hmm. because we've been as a society so programmed to only accept one type of thing, whether it's like the way a body should look or the way a body should dress. And of course, when I say this, I'm only talking about females because there's way less of a focus on all of these things when it comes to males. But yeah when you do something that's outside of that quote unquote box that society has built for females to fit inside of, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. That's very true. And I think that's kind of like where we come in. Like, you know, we, we try to, you know, um, I follow Mick. I think her Zazan. Yes. And like what she, I absolutely adore her. Like her whole message, her, whole thing is normalized normal bodies and it's like I've been finding myself saying that so often because it's like what we see in the magazines like if you kind of look at it like runway models and stuff that's not really normal (laughs) to me at -hmm. least to me you know it's just like you know being super skinny and super frail and unhealthy like that's not on average like that's not usually who you see walking around and so like normalized normal bodies is so important because again, that's where we come in to just try to like break that mold of what people think that women should look like. So I definitely agree with that. Absolutely. And I think the more that we can do exactly what you're saying of like normalizing normal bodies, the more the generation below us will have hopefully a different mindset and a different experience. And I feel, I do have a hard time sometimes as a creator when it comes to this topic, because I realize that I still very much fit in society standards. Um, So I can't, in my opinion, be like any type of leader in this movement because I still, no matter whether I struggle with body image stuff or not, am still considered thin and have the thin privilege. I don't think I look like the people we're seeing on runways whatsoever, but I still by society fit into that category. And so for me, I think a lot of my content is trying to just like help people 
in a sense, unpack the thoughts that they might be thinking towards mm-hmm. people who potentially don't fit in society standards. And then also, you know, whether you fit in society standards or not, a majority of females struggle with body image. And oh, I know yeah. a lot of people get shit when they say that if they're still like thin bodied because it's like, well, how could you? But, you know, we're all entitled to our emotions. And so for me, a lot of what I want to do is try to help people like work through those thoughts, even if they do fit in society standards of like, you're still way more important than Mm -hmm. your physical appearance. Yeah. Well, we said earlier, you're so much more important than your weight or your gene size. Right. Even like your exercise routine. People like love to like, they pride themselves on like how much they run. Like who the fuck cares? No offense. Like, cool. You run. I don't give a shit how many miles we run a day. (laughs) Yeah. I totally agree for sure. I think, and my dad, really quick, my dad and I were talking the other day about how there's like these constant cycles especially on social media, where it kind of seems like a competition. Like, it's gotten to Mm -hmm. the point where it's like, you know, a lot, and especially like in the plus community, it just sometimes feels like it's always a competition on like, you know, who's, you know, more body positive or who's more... It's it's very weird. I'll get into that later. (laughs) But there's just a huge... um, competition that I see on social media on like who's doing the most or who's working out the most or who's it just very toxic interesting because I would love to unpack that because I feel that in specific in different ways almost with like content creation I think it can be very collaborative or competitive and for me I feel a lot of like oh my god I feel like I have to produce so much fucking content yeah but at the same time like so much um but no I I feel like there was almost this movement within the past like year and a half of like you have to be quote unquote real and then I felt kind of very forced by certain like certain conversations if that Mm -hmm. makes sense yeah um and then it was a competition of like well, who can be more – like, it sounds so petty no, and dumb. I but get you know it, what yeah. I So what do you it. feel like – What can you dive in a little – if you feel comfortable more in the plus-size community that you feel there is this underlying competition? Um. Yeah, I just noticed, like, lately, especially since, like, reels have come out, it's just, and Instagram has had a way of like pushing real super, super heavy. I just yep. feel that, you know, some people are like see a lot of this content come out and especially on TikTok. I think you can, <laughs> I think you can agree. I don't think it's necessarily just within the plus community, but I think that, you know, so many people kind of want, see that that type of content is doing well And then they just kind of like put themselves into that category. Like on TikTok, there's a lot of girls that will talk about body positivity and completely and just not stand for it at all. You know, they'll just like lean over and hunch over and then show like a little bit of their fat and be like, I'm body positive. I'm plus size just for the views or just to get clout, if that makes sense. I have so many thoughts on this. Oh my gosh. And it's kind of, yeah. And I'm not saying like, I totally agree. Like kind of like you were saying earlier, like there's people that want to bring awareness to what's going on. There's people that want to kind of give people understanding on, you know, we all have flaws and it's okay. And we all need to love ourselves, but it's like, don't put, you know, just don't put a video up. And it kind of seems like they're like in a way like mocking the body positive movement or the, you know, mocking women that are in the plus size community, because it's like, we're really doing this because at least for me, like when I make my content, it's never planned. I always wake up and I'll feel like, oh my gosh, I'm bloated today. Like, and I know somebody else is bloated today. So let me make a video to try to like, you know, a lot of it's for myself, like, damn, I'm feeling this way. But again, it's for other people to like relate to it. But it's like, that's, those are how like organic my ideas are. And so for people that don't support the movement at all to do it, it's just kind of like downplaying like our struggles and like what we're going through. Totally. So I want to, I have a few thoughts on this one in terms of organic content. I feel the same way where for me, a lot of my content is honestly 
selfishly me working through my shit. I say that my Instagram oh, stories yeah. are an extension of my therapy sessions. Like, yeah. Someone was like, but, well, how is this productive once to my stories? I'm like, I never said my content was productive. Right. I'm sharing what I'm going through and like exactly. maybe other people are going through it too. And so I feel the same way. And that's honestly one of the reasons I don't love TikTok mm-hmm. is because I love it as a consumer because my feed is majority just normal people doing funny shit. Mm-hmm. But as a creator, I feel this need to almost like hop on the quote unquote trends. Trend. Yeah. So like when I do that, I try to hop on the trends that have nothing to do with almost like what I'm like, for instance, today I posted a TikTok, you know, the song that's like, don't you want some, and everyone yeah. like you remember something and you're like yeah. cringing. Mm-hmm. So like, it would have been really easy for me to hop on that trend and do some type of body stuff. But I was like, you know what? Fuck this. If I'm going to do a trend, I'm going to just like totally air my shit. So I did it like when you remember the times as a kid, you threw your legs over your Dana's pool and like pressed up against the jets and thought no one knew what you were doing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I'm like, that is how I will use a trend because I think that's funny. But like for me, the one trend that fucking killed me was the bodies that look like this also look like this. Oh yeah. Because I saw a few and like, I'm not trying to throw shade at these people, but like there was this one person who was quite literally stick thin and she was contorting her body to make it look like there was one role. And I'm like, this is not it. I'm yeah. sorry. And that's, yeah. like, Just that's what cringe I mean. material. Yeah. And like, that's what I mean when I say like, I have a hard time when it comes to the body positivity movement of creating content around it because I still feel like even though I want to promote it all, I still do fit within the society standards of being thin bodied. So when I see stuff like that, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, I can't do, I can't do these things. Like I, I, and I do think that there are certain things that should be saved for the people who are actually experiencing that type of stuff and who are plus size or whatever you want to call it. Because even the people, this is something that I've been trying to unpack a lot within myself and my therapist even, like even a lot of us who are in the society standards of being thin and are promoting body positivity still have very deep rooted fat phobia. And so at what point um, are you going to accept like, okay, fine. If you're going to be for the body positive movement, then like you have to be okay gaining weight. You have to be okay like exercising for your mental health, not for a six pack. You have to be okay eating what you want to eat. Like it it doesn't go, you don't get to pick and choose when you want to be a part of it. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And I think like what you were saying with like how some, like some people may think that you fit in the, into like society's uh, beauty standard. Like I've been dealing with a lot of lashback in that area as well because there's this huge issue lately where it's like you know for me a lot of people look at me and just say okay but you're not plus size like you're not big enough to be plus size and there's a lot of women that will like look at you know women that are like slightly smaller than me that's still I consider plus size and they'll be like okay you're totally like messing up this movement and it's like I think with what you were saying like if I saw a post from you or like somebody that was like a little bit smaller kind of like pushing that whole idea I think it would be understanding because it's like like you were saying like a lot of women still have issues with their bodies I just think that there's like a certain extent for some people to take it to and I just think like especially lately like people just don't get it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's that's something that I've definitely been like, that's been a pet peeve of mine lately. But I just think it depends on the, the way, like you were saying, the way that you go about these trends, the way that you go about making your content in a respectful way for everybody, you know, and not right. just like forcing I- it for engagement. Totally. And I think that that's the bottom line because I don't want the body positivity movement to turn into this like female cat fight of like, well, you're too small, but you're not big enough. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that. And I totally get what you're saying. And 
I don't think I, that that's the end result because then again, we're just falling into society's like stereotypes of us pitting one another against each other. Yeah. I think it's more just like what is the underlying mission of putting that type of excuse me, I burp, like putting that out there because I think it's obvious when you're consuming content of like, okay, this was very much done to fit in a trend and for clout and for views rather than this person's really going through this and like yeah. I can see that and I yeah. feel for them and I'm here for it. And, yeah. you know, even on the opposite side of the body positivity movement, like there are people who are just naturally really fucking thin mm-hmm. and it, they're not over-exercising, they're not under-eating, their bodies just look like that. And, you know, not that this is happening nearly as often, but then they're told, like, eat a fucking cheeseburger. You know, there's just so much commenting on people's physical appearance. And so I think if we can all take our experiences and share them organically and intentionally, but also honestly, I think that's where the mission will succeed for everyone because you're not doing it with an underlying agenda of, well, I want views. You're doing it because I'm going through this and I want to help someone else that's going through it. Period. Exactly. Period. Yes. And again, this is just why I fucking hate apps like Facetune and Photoshop because even though I've said I fit in society standards, like me posting a photo that isn't touched, people are like, oh my God, thank you so much for not like, you know, Mm -hmm. cropping out the smallest thing. I'm like, I didn't even notice that. Why would I crop that out? You know, like we're so used to seeing these altered images that when we see one that's not, we almost feel we have to thank the creator, which is backwards. But I mean, And it's, I, I've gotten that too, where like, I'll post something and like, it's kind of different, but super similar. Like people will be like, oh my gosh, like, thank you for showing off your confidence. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being so bold. And it's like, I'm not being confident. I'm not being bold. I'm putting mm-hmm. my body on social media like anybody else is doing. Like, I feel like when when somebody puts themselves out there and it's like, you know, they're being vulnerable or whatever. It's like, especially like with bigger bodies or especially if like you're going through like showing something that you're struggling with, like people automatically jump and be like, oh my gosh, you're so confident. Oh my gosh, you're so bold. And it's like, sometimes people take that offensively. Like, like what makes me bold compared to like a Victoria's Secret model walking down the, the runway in a bikini and like what makes me different from her by just like posing in a bikini? Like people feel it's like, because of like you were saying with society, like the image that we're supposed, supposed to have, like people thank us for like not retouching or not editing and not like, and for really putting ourselves out there. And it shouldn't be that way because we're, you know, we're, we're just doing our own thing. I was watching, I forget whose content it was, but someone was like, you know, the amount of comments I get that are like confident queen, confident, confident. Holy shit. You're like, you're so confident. She's like, I'm literally just in an outfit. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't, or, yeah, no, it's, it's so it's, I understand where people are coming from and I understand their intentions, but it's like, I'm just being me. Like that shouldn't yeah. make me any different than somebody else doing the same thing, you know? I agree. I think also a lot of that is rooted in the fact that people who aren't creators or just everyday people, like, you know, aren't thinking, oh, I want to take photos in a bikini and post them because like I, you know, and I do think most of those comments are coming from a place of just like not having to do with your or the creator's body, but more just like, I can't believe you're standing in an underwear and bra, taking a picture and putting it on the internet for everyone to see. Because I know if I think about myself three years ago, I would not have enjoyed that process or that idea. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I get that too, for sure. Because I've been at this, I've been in the same position too. I guess I kind of have to like, take a step back. Because like for Uh, like for the industry that we're in I feel like we just it's like normal like we see it all the time we do it but um a lot of people that don't do it often or I guess that you know even two that are struggling within themselves they'll see that and then I guess they kind of say that because it's like they're not at that level yet and they're kind of just like thinking like wow you're confident to do that and I guess yeah that does make sense 
Yeah, I think it's also very hard as a creator to remove yourself from the fact that we're just used to doing so much of this, like you said. Like, yeah, I remember my sister found out how many people viewed my Instagram stories, and she's like, You you just put yourself on. Like, she'll sit next to me at breakfast and I'll just start talking to my camera and I'll be like, Lucy. And she's like, Why? What? I don't want to be on here. <laughs> and I, like, I think I forget because yeah. it's just become so normal. And it's the same with what you're saying in like a bathing suit photo shoot. Like it's just become so normal to us inherently that we forget that it's not what everyone would feel comfortable doing. Exactly. Yeah. That's very true. I feel like I could talk to you for hours on this, but <laughs> I do have to bring it to food for our closing question. And I'm curious because we were talking before we started recording that you're in Houston and I know the food is just oh a plus God. there. Yes. So what would be the three ways to your heart through food? Three ways to my heart for food. Let's see. Like as in like my favorite meal yeah, it's like, like restaurants. It can be however you want to take it. Some people take it like in all these different directions, but it's like what makes you the happiest when it comes to food? It could be a specific meal at a specific restaurant. It could be a genre of food. Okay. I think for me, it would definitely be there's okay. So for number one, I absolutely love going downtown, setting up a picnic. Like we'll do like pretty elaborate picnics where we'll do like, we'll have like a door and we'll put the door down on the picnic blanket and everyone will bring their favorite food. So we'll have like five friends. Yeah, everybody will bring their favorite food. Some people will, like, order it in. Some people will cook it. Some people will pick things up. Um, And then we'll just have, like, this huge picnic and wine. So settings with, like, my best friends and all of our favorite dishes together with a picnic downtown Houston with the skyline, like, that just makes my heart sing. Like, food, friends, and fun, that's number one. Two, my mom and I, every Friday, go to happy hour. (laughs) So we'll do happy hour, and then we'll get, like, Yes. Well, we'll just kind of, it'll just be our time to like connect about like what went on during the week, have a really good meal, um, have some glasses of wine. So that's super important to me. Um, and also I actually really, really love eating by myself. Like I love taking myself out and I love going to, yes, it's so important. And a lot of people don't realize how important it is to enjoy your own company, especially over a meal. Um, but I'll go to this place called Postino's. Um, and it's like a wine bar, wine cafe, and I'll get, um, bruschetta boards and wine and some meatballs and just focus on me, enjoy my company and enjoy my food. So. I love that. I went through a phase where I tried to make it a goal of at least once a month taking myself out on a date yes. in New York. Um, I love eating alone. I know people have a lot of opinions on it. I personally love eating alone with a book, a good cocktail, mm-hmm. specifically yes. if I can sit, like, sit at a bar. So I'm all for that. Yes, absolutely. It's important. Well, Fall in love with yourself. That's the number one yes. thing I'm for all the time. Of course. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. You are just such a ray of light. And I really think this conversation will resonate with a lot of my community. For everyone who's listening who wants more of you, so everyone, where should they follow you? You guys can follow me on Instagram at Sydney L. Bell. And I promise I will start TikToking more. So you guys can follow me on TikTok at Sydney L. Bell as well. All of that will be in the show notes. No pressure to TikTok. Just continue to do your amazing stuff. And I so, so appreciate you coming on here. Oh, thank you, Cameron. I absolutely love you and all you do. You're so sweet. Thank you. Hello, my friends. All right. I have a few things I want to chat about today. And honestly, a few of them tie into the episode you guys just listened to. First, I will pick a listener question somewhat and reminder, I'm trying to remember to do this, but I will have up a Q&A box on the FF and Friends pod Instagram story on Tuesdays and you can submit listener questions. As long as I put that box up, send them in. Um, someone asked what has been the most and least or like what has been your favorite part and your least favorite part that's surprised you about pregnancy. My least favorite part 
would probably be I just didn't know that like sleep was going to be so difficult. I think I was most surprised by that. I mean, first trimester, nausea aside, I'm talking about like how I feel right now, a second trimester, 25 weeks. Um, I just had no idea sleep would be so difficult to come by. So that's probably my least favorite. My most favorite surprising part is I always knew like I was so excited to have a pregnant belly. Um, But I think just like the way Joe like – I don't know, his like love for the, I can't explain it without sounding like so creepy. Um, But like the affection he has for the fact that like this baby's growing in my belly. So therefore the affection he has towards my belly, just like, I don't know, that I think. it Honestly, I think part of it is just like, you're going to be such an amazing father. And I already know that. Um, Okay, other things I wanted to touch on. I did an Instagram post, and I will post it in the show notes. It was a TikTok first, and then I put it on Instagram about Apple Watches. And I received a a lot of feedback, and some mixed, and that's fine. But I, I think I had Apple Watch, but I wore it for like, I'm sorry, I'm yawning in between all this. I wore it for like two days because it was just too many notifications. And you guys know I I don't even like notifications on my phone. Um, But it's been so interesting to me as I've been working with health coaching clients and my speaker sessions with college sororities or teams, I'm speaking with a lot of this like early 20 demographic, which I guess is kind of still millennial, but part Gen Z. I don't really know what they fall into. So I don't know whether I can call them my generation or not, but whatever. Um, And there's this obsession I'm learning about that I didn't know existed over Apple watches. And it's not, some of you might be thinking like, oh, so they can be on their apps and like walkie talkie each other and text. No, like that's fine if you want to do that. But it's this obsession with like closing your rings. And I guess there are like three rings and every day it's like some form of movement. I don't know what they even are. Um, But if you don't, like people quite literally obsess over closing these rings and making sure that they're getting enough movement in. And there's this whole like need for 10,000 steps a day. And if you don't hit 10,000 steps, you're a failure. And I'm not saying that like we should all be sitting on the couch all day long and like doing nothing. Obviously, movement is so important for our physical and mental health. But I also think there's a very fine line of toxic behavior when it comes to that and obsession and a change in the purpose of why you're doing these things. And I've spoken a lot about my journey with working out and exercise. And I was in a place at one point where I was a little too obsessed with it. And this would have just like completely taken control over me because I'm also a numbers-based, goal-oriented, like I want a tangible asset. And that is exactly what this would have provided me with. So I just think it's really interesting. It's been an eye-opening experience for me to have these conversations with these young women who are feeling so like a lack of, like as if these Apple watches control them. And so I did this Instagram, TikTok video and it's like, guess what? No one fucking cares if you close your rings. Like no one cares. No one cares if you hit 10,000 steps. It's the least interesting thing about you. And it ties into this episode again, because we were talking at one point, like your weight, your size, all of that is the least interesting thing about you. And I said, like, same with your exercise routine. I think exercise is incredible. I love exercising. It's great for so many reasons. But I also think that we as a society have sometimes reached this like toxic aspect of obsessing over it as if it's the only thing that matters and that it's something we have to pride ourselves on. Like, I don't really care how many miles you ran or at what pace you ran them at. And I used to be someone that would share that information like from the Nike app on my Instagram stories. But like, I don't need to see your Apple watch because I don't care. Like, (laughs) and maybe... That's part me being like still triggered by it and comparative because I'm not going to lie when I see influencers post that, I'm like, could I have done that? Like that's the competitive crazy person in me and that voice very much can still exist and rear its head. But either way, it's like that doesn't make you a better person. 
like in other people's eyes, it, it's not it, it's not the most interesting thing about you. So if you are someone that's having a hard time with your Apple Watch and you feel like it's controlling you more than benefiting you and really take a step back and think about it, like maybe break up with a watch. And one of my health coaching clients did break up with hers and she was quite literally like, this has changed my life. I will never go back to that type of behavior because it, it, it can be so toxic. And if you, if you have no like, um, connection with what I'm saying, you're probably like, who the hell even cares? But I promise this is like a very much a thing in a younger generation. Okay. I also wanted to touch base on the Britney documentary because we have to discuss it. It's called Framing Britney Spears. It's a New York Times documentary. It's on Hulu TV. I highly recommend it for anyone who, I mean, I just recommend it for everyone. I obviously did a rant on my story about it. Um, I was a diehard Britney Spears fan growing up. Like I was her peak age demographic. If you're 29 or 30, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like she was our everything. And I went to all of her concerts. I dressed up like she did in all of her music videos. I learned all the dances. And you know by now that I also have a deep love for Justin Timberlake. So the two of them to me were honestly like king and queen. Like no one else was more important. And I was heartbroken for way too long when they broke up. I still feel like we need answers, especially after watching this documentary. And obviously recently, I'm not going to like explain the whole film because I want you to watch it and that would just take so long. But it is just so sad to watch what has happened to Brittany and how our society is honestly at fault for it all. And watching the misogynistic aspect, like watching all of the misogyny that happened is just one main point. And then the other point would just be like the media. So the misogyny aspect of it all, like they show an interview of her when she's like nine years old. And this old man is like, you have beautiful eyes. Do you have a boyfriend? Like, first of all, that is so creepy. But second of all, it was just the beginning of her career. And it really showed like for the rest of her career, all these questions like, are you a virgin? Have you had sex? Why is that anyone's information or like, need to know. It's it's no one's need to know. And it's no one's business. That's the word I was looking for. And no one was ever asking the boy bands at this time. Like no one was asking Chris Kirkpatrick, Justin Timberlake, Nick Lachey, like, are you guys a virgin? Not one person. Um, and then when her and Justin broke up, like, yes, I do think Justin should have, he was young at the time. And I think media really like unfortunately took their breakup like they always do and like made it the headlines and he should have never said certain things he said in interviews and I still am waiting for her him to you know give some form of acknowledgement that any of this is happening he was just on Dax Shepard's podcast and I was like are you even like why does no one ask why aren't we ever talking about Britney it is very important so I would love to hear his current thoughts but I just like then media was like, oh, she's gone wild girl, Brittany, because she was going out with like Colin Farrell. And then to see what the media did to her from a paparazzi standpoint, I cannot fathom living like that with all of these cameras everywhere. Like the girl just wants to freaking live, leave her alone. And then of course the media spins it as like, she's lost her mind. She shaves her head. She attacked a car with a umbrella. Like she's a psycho, like crazy loony woman. You, it's the media and society's fault. Like we did this all to her. Also, she's not freaking crazy. Like she's just fed up. And I, I can't even handle the whole conservatorship because I can't fathom how someone who's so capable and sound and young and able to do all these things is somehow not responsible for her own life or finances. And it's like signed off to her father and lawyer. Watch the movie for more on that. But this also ties into something I talked about on my stories the other day of like women being allowed to be angry. Like Britney's allowed to be angry at what happened to her in that situation. And her acting out was then all of a sudden like, she's lost her mind. She's crazy. Like women are allowed to be angry. And when I shared my thoughts on my stories, like I was worked up. I don't, I just like got me heated. And 
I mean, the support of this community is incredible, but I still feel I, I did get some messages, but whether, you know, some of the negative messages, and they were very few, but just like, oh my God, you're so angry. Like, why are you angry all the time? But even some of the supportive ones were like, thank you for like allowing me to feel comfortable being angry. And so I think that that's just something to like touch on the concept of women being angry. Like you are allowed to be angry. I hate this dialect that women aren't allowed to have that emotion. And in a recent webinar I was in with Rachel Ricketts, who I love following if you don't follow her, she said like part of anger is part of my love. And I feel the exact same way. Like I'm a very passionate person, but I really dislike how if a female is outspoken or has opinions or is passionate about something, all of a sudden they're labeled as like an angry woman and it's this bad thing. And like, I'm saying this from a privileged white perspective, like it's 10, Xfinity times worse when it's a black woman, because then they're immediately labeled as angry, like, oh, an angry black woman. Like, no, she's just speaking up for what is right. And this is my issue with it all. Like the patriarchy has loved to depict us as these angry women for just speaking up and like hoping to incite change. It's not a bad thing. Anger is not a bad thing. I'm not saying hold on to anger over like meaningless stuff and never let go. But things that are not right, they can, they should spark anger because hopefully that sparks change. And if you somehow went through 2020 and the beginning of 2021 and you're not angry in some way, like I kind of feel like you have to wake up. And this all also, I feel like this is like a tie-in, tie-in, tie-in. This also ties into what we talked about in the episode with Sydney of like the type of influencing and not feeling like I fit in. And I feel that way in the wellness industry, because I don't know, I guess a label would be like, I'm a wellness influencer. I still don't know what my label would be. Um, but, you know, I, I personally find that there's a lot of toxic positivity in the wellness industry. And it's all like, meditate your way through life. Like, focused on your mantras, manifestation. And I believe in those types of things, but I also believe that we can be angry and we can demand change and we can have opinions on things. And the toxic positivity feeds into the systems that have been built and that have thrived on things like white supremacy and white privilege. So I don't buy into the toxic positivity. And I think that's also where I feel this awkward, like, what type of influencer am I? Like, where do I even belong? I have no fucking idea. And also why maybe I bother some people and that's fine. Um, but I was also talking to my friend, like when I watch people's stories or I consume influencer stuff, like everyone just looks so put together and like they're very creative and they've got their shit going. And I just feel like I never do, if we're being honest. And I constantly feel like I fell into this. I feel like I'm not creative at all. And my stories are just like, me, like I, I'm never put together lately. Like it wouldn't hurt for me to take a shower or brush my hair, but that's beside the point. Um, I'm just going to blame that on pregnancy and roll with it. And so part of me, I keep saying there's this narrative in my head that I'm like bad at my job, quote unquote. And I'm really trying to let go of that voice and like move on from that narrative because I don't think it helps me or serves a purpose. And I've also started to notice that based on all of the reception I receive and the feedback and the community I've built and like the strong engagement is that somehow this whole thing has worked for me. So why am I telling myself I'm bad at my job if it's brought me success? Like maybe I'm just building my own type of influencing. So I would love to hear your guys' opinions on that. If you want to like send me over a DM, I'd be actually very curious because it's something I think about a lot. And I'm really trying to rewrite the script in my own mind and, you know, be more positive about what I've accomplished and less comparative and telling myself that, like, I don't belong in a form. So that's what's happening over here. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Friday. We are moving back to New York tomorrow. I am so motherfucking excited. I cannot tell you. I I mean, if you listen, you know, if it were up to me, we would have been in New York for majority of this past year. Um, but with Joe's work 
And our living situation, we decided for more space, but the compromising has reached its max, and the pregnant woman is now getting more favor. And Joe's excited as well. And there are other changes to come, which I will keep you posted on. Um, This was a pretty long solo portion of the episode. So for anyone who's still listening, I love you. Have a great weekend. And thank you for being in the Freckled Foodie family. You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. It really means the world to me. It means more to me than you could ever know. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please head over to wherever you consume your podcast and rate and or review the show. It not only helps the show's growth, but it really makes my day when I go through and read all of the reviews. If you aren't already, please follow along over on Instagram at Freckled Foodie for my way too active channel and at FF and Friends Pod for more information on the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day and I can't wait to give you the next episode.